God. Here you go. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Write down this word. It's the word remarkable. I just want you to write that for a moment. Remarkable. And um, when I see that video that was just played, I think remarkable, right? Fireworks. Uh, What's the song that's playing in it? (laughs) I have bad memory. Our God is... What's the name of the song? God is relentless, right? Your love is relentless. Um, that's remarkable. That that love of God is relentless. It, it pursues us. So, uh, I mean, I think about the video and the fireworks and the skateboarding, the jumping around, the running, the hugging, the loving, the church pictures, the baptism. I don't know if you guys saw that. I see all that in the video, and I just think this is remarkable, and this is what a believer's life should be. Uh, not just fireworks and claps and high fives and dancing and all that good stuff, but inside our soul, inside our lives, there should be something about us that when other people see us, they say there's something about them that's just not normal. Something that is remarkable within them. And and that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. Remarkable. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm going to play with that word remarkable for the next month. I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to do later on in in some minutes from now. But here we go. When I think about this not normal and living remarkable, I I love Paul's writing. Uh, You guys know that already if you come to this church that I love Paul's writing. And one of the things that I love is when Paul tells the church of Corinth in chapter 4, uh, actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It's an amazing passage if, you're, if you could write that down in your notes. Because as you read that passage, Paul gives us a reminder that it's okay not to be normal. Can I get a hallelujah from some not normal people in this place, right? Like, I read Paul's letter, I'm like, yes. Like, Paul is allowing me to not be normal. Like, he is telling me, like, it's cool, like, it's all right. And everyone, at least I knew I could take a deep breath because I know that there are some not-so-normal people in here today. And Paul tells us this. In chapter 4, verse 9, he says this, For I thank God that God has displayed us. And he's talking about him and his group of band of brothers, the apostles. He's displayed us. He's, he's put us out on the forefront. But look at this. Last, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to this world. I love that. I, I love that Paul calls himself a spectacle. Like when you think about that word spectacle, there's not so many things that are good that come out of it. What a spectacle he just formed. Oh, what a spectacle she formed. And, and Paul's like, that's what we are. We are a spectacle to this world, to angels, to men. And then he keeps on going in the next verse, and he says this, For we are fools for Christ's sakes. We are fools for the sake of Christ. Ain't that amazing? Like, I don't know about you, but, but when you're walking around or someone tells you, you're such a fool, I'm sure no one here likes that. Like, yay, thank you. I like that. I love when people call me a fool. No, no one like enjoy fool. <sighs> so sweet. Like when you think about that word fool, it just bam automatically brings just a negative vibe to this whole situation. And Paul says this, I, I'm not going to puff you up and tell you, like, you're so grand and you're so great and you're like a flower in the middle of the field. It's like a lily and the sun is hitting and the sunset is set. No, no. He's like, you are a fool for Jesus. And all God's people say what? Amen! Whatever that means. (laughs) I love Paul's writing. Because he allows me to be a fool. He allows me to be a spectacle. 
God allows me to be not normal, so I'm okay with not being normal. I'm okay with not doing what everyone else is doing. I'm okay with standing out in the middle of the crowd. I'm okay that this year I walk into it and everyone looks at me and says, why is it that you're not like everyone else? And I could just look at them and say, because I'm a fool for Jesus. Like, I'm okay with that. But his new life is the church, is the body. Are we okay? With that. And, that, and that's what God is, is teaching us through the book of Corinth. You know, I can't think, about, I can't think much about God and, and think much about him being normal when I read scriptures, you know. If you read the scriptures, the way he thinks, the way he acts, even the way he reacts, the way he calls people, his will, his plans, all that is God always seems to amaze me. There's nothing really normal. When I read the scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and I go throughout the passage and I see what God does with Saul and I see what God does with Samson and I, and I just read all these different passages. I see what God does with Deborah and I see what God does with Jezebel. Like, like when someone falls off a balcony and the dogs of the city come and eat her up and there's no remains of it. Like that's not normal. Like, who prophesies that? God's like, I do. It's not normal. Like, I, I read things about God in the scriptures, and I'm like, it just amazes me. And then we, we go into the New Testament, and we see Jesus' life in color right before our eyes in the passages of scripture. We see his life. We see his ministry. Nothing normal there. One of the things that I always talk about is, like, the, the healing one of the blind man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, who spits on mud, slaps mud on someone's eye? It's not normal. Those are things that are not normal. Okay? Like who allows a prostitute to wash his feet while they're eating? Like, it's not normal. Like, it's not normal. It's weird. It's Jesus. It's, the, it's what he's part of. It's what he is. The way he speaks, the way he calls men, the way he acts as well and reacts as well. It's not normal. You look at the 12 men that he caused to be his team. There's nothing normal there. I promise you, read the scriptures. There's nothing normal with those 12 guys. They're actually kind of strange when you start to study them. And I read over and over about this life of Jesus, and he always seems to amaze me. There's, there's just nothing normal there. We see his apostles take action when Jesus goes to sit at the right hand of the Father. We see the early church. We see the early Christians step into the scene in the book of Acts and then on throughout all the letters, don't we? And as you study the apostles, the early church, the early Christians, they did some out-of-the-ordinary stuff, they too being not normal. I can't think of the church being normal. Some of these people were bit by poisonous snakes. They would shake them off and nothing would happen to them. It's weird. Like if I got bit by a poisonous snakes, you don't want to know what comes out of my mouth. Ah, I got bit. I got bit. I'll fall on the floor, start foaming, I'll start shaking. Like just relax. It hasn't even kicked in yet, man. I'll start the symptoms before the symptoms even start. These guys shake snakes off. Like, just get out in Jesus' name. Like it's poisonous. You're going to die in a few minutes. Like, not me. Why not you? Because I'm not. Come on, church. It's the new year. Because I'm not. I'm not normal. Like, I'm not normal. Poison snakes bite me and they don't harm me. And not me. I'm just telling you, like, early church. Yeah, me too. Amen. <laughs> I won't bring poison snakes to the church. We're not that church. Not normal. Weird things that we see in Scripture. Weird things. They would preach messages, the early church, not planned, really not planned. 
They wouldn't have points in their messages. Study Peter's first message. You know the one that 3,000 got saved and get baptized in Acts? Study it. It is the most unorganized message any preacher would ever tell you. There's no structure in the message. There's no three points. There's not a beginning and a closing. There's not a worship team that comes up and plays at the end. I mean, it is a mess. But Peter preaches what's in his heart, like fire, right? And guess what happens? 3,000 people say, me, I want that Jesus. They go, all right, say this and come here. Let's pray for you and let's go to the water, take a field trip. And 3,000 people, at the count of three, everyone dunk, baptizes 3,000 people. Not normal. Can you imagine the middle of Hialeah? <laughs> There's a little river in the front of our, right there before I-75. That thing is nasty. People fish. If you fish there, we love you. But people fish. Have you seen the people fishing there? They fish there. I wonder what they're catching. But just imagine that. Just, sorry, guys. The little clip thing fell. So it's going up and down. At least I feel like it is. So just bear with me. I'm okay. But not normal. <laughs> hey. But can you imagine the middle of Hialeah just going out and, and just out of nowhere we do an event or something, 3,000 people get saved, like, okay, what do we do now? I don't know, Rigo, let's just go baptize them. All right, where do we go? There's a little river thing kind of thing where probably alligators are at kind of thing in front of I-75, in front of the church kind of thing. Have you seen that kind of thing? Yeah, let's go baptize them there, okay? That's the closest body of water. I know there's lakes all around here, but let's go do it. And we just start baptizing people. 3,000 people get here. We have to break through, like, things that are not normal. Like, I hear stories like that all the time. About churches, like 15 people, okay, let's see, we're not sure what we're going to do, let's preach Jesus, let's start establishing this thing, let Christ be Christ, and boom, next thing you know, they're like, oh my God, we need to rent out a basketball arena. Like, how, that, how did that happen? And everyone in church says what? That's just not what? It's just not normal. I don't understand these things, the way God works sometimes. They would just preach with their hearts, hundreds, thousands would be saved, baptized. I love Hebrews 11. How many of you love Hebrews 11? This is just the introduction. We're going to get into some scripture now. Hebrews 11 is amazing. Because it's, it's like the hall of faith and all that. And in Hebrews 11, it tells us that the early Christians, have you guys ever read that? You should read it. They were tortured. Listen to this. They had trials of mockings. They were scourged. They were put in chains, imprisoned. They were stoned. They were cut in half, sawn in two. Just picture that if you want to. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They were put on. Check this out. They would sew onto their bodies sheep skins and goat skins, and then they were left out in the desert, destituted, just out there. They lived in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. Guys, this is not normal for the early church. That's how they were born. That's how the early church was born. Just not normal. Not normal. Like we were born in a Starbucks. Not normal. Who, who, who plants a church in a Starbucks? We didn't know what else to do. We just started meeting in a Starbucks, and that kind of worked. Not normal, these weird things that God does. It's just not normal. You know, if I were to describe faith, salvation, and Jesus in such a way like I just did in Hebrews 11, you know, being tortured, sawn in half, mocking, scourgings, being sewed on, uh, sheep's clothing and goat skin, and being left out in the desert, dens and caves, how many of you would say, yeah, sign me up. I want that Jesus in my life. That's weird. Like, nope, there's other religions that would probably work out for me. But that's how the early church started. What would you say if I were to tell you that? What, imagine your loved ones. What would they tell you? This is a perfect description of the early church. It didn't start, listen to this. The early church did not start in a, cozy, in a cozy setting, you know? It didn't start upbeat stage lights, comfortable theater chairs, worship bands, ushers, children's church projectors, project, projectors graphics, videos. It didn't start like that. You want to know how the early church started? You want to know how you used to plant churches in the book, in the Word of God, those early churches? You want to know how they planted churches? This is how they planted churches. Ready? 
They would give their lives to Christ, and by giving their lives to Christ, it meant you were putting your life on the line. Let's start church. I love that. Not normal. Because today, in the world that we live in, who starts a church like that? Come to our church. Why? Because there we preach that you're going to die. You're going to be sawn in half. You're going to be cut in two. You're going to be put on sheep's clothing and goatskin. And, and you're like, whoa, that's a cult. That's not a church. <laughs> that's how he started the early church. Not normal. God just started it. Not normal. It's amazing. And all, and all over the world, things like this still happen. It's just not normal. Some people will tell us you need to start a church and set a warm atmosphere. You need to have the right leaders in place. You need to have a perfect location and so on and so forth. At least have a projector where you have some lights, have some this, have some that. And then I started to think about when I was doing my notes, I thought about this. I did not know that Christ shows up according to our setups. I didn't know that Christ shows up according to our location or how we set the atmosphere. Listen, church, Christ doesn't perform according to our creative designs of ministry. Church starts when Christ shows up. That's how God works. Nowadays, we got people planning everywhere, and they're doing a great job, I'm not knocking them, but all that planning is good, but what good is planning without planning Jesus being the center of it all? That's the truth. And we look at this scriptures, and we look at this passage, and, and, and this is it. You know, I've seen, I've seen uh, seats be filled, and, and, and they have church, but there was no spirit, there was no presence, there was no power no church in that location. Then I've seen places where a few seats have been taken up and I've experienced some of the greatest move of God's. Not lying. For some people, that's not normal. For some people, like, I don't get how that's happening. I love what Isaiah tells us or reminds us of. I don't want to take scripture out of context. So reminds us of. Here it is. Ready? Isaiah chapter 55, 8 and 9. If you're taking notes, what does Isaiah tell us? You guys know that scripture by memory. I know you do. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways what? Your ways. Ever been there? God, why did you let this happen? How many of you thought that? Oh, sorry. I have. Why, God, would you allow this? Why, God, did this happen now? Why, God, is this happening again? And why, God, is it? And God's like, listen, I work differently. I think differently. My ways are not yours. My thoughts are not yours. And then he goes on, and in the book of Isaiah, he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You're going to try to figure it out. You're probably not going to figure it out. I got this thing in my hand. I'm taking care of this though right now. I know it all looks out of control and whacked out, but I'm telling you that when I do things to the human eye, it doesn't look normal, but when I'm working it, it's just perfect. Perfectly fine. It's normal to me. How many of you can say amen? Because I know there's some people here that can relate to that. Like there are some whacked out things and God's like, that's where I'm at. I'm involved in whacked out things. And like, oh, I've always been involved. Study scripture. I grab a guy that can't speak right and he speaks to a whole nation in Kings. I grab a leper, I heal him and he goes and he evangelizes to a whole, I grab a, a woman with five husbands and she goes and saves a whole entire town. I, I mean, weird things that's just not normal to us. Normal, what is that definition of normal? It means this, ready? Conforming to the standard or to the common type. The usual, the regular, the natural, it's basically just, just average. Do you really think that in this walk with Christ, this is what Jesus has called us to? He's called us just to be standard, to be common, to be usual, to be regular, natural, approximately just average. Do you actually believe that Jesus has called you to be average? Do you really believe that when you wake up? Like, ah. Like, my, my walk with Christ is just a five-minute 
prayer and a two-minute devotional, and I'm set for the rest of my day. Like, do you think that's all that Jesus has for this church for 2015? Like, like, do you think that's all Christ has for you, for your new year? Like, like I'll just set a new resolution. I'll, I'll start doing the 365-day the, the devotional. It's a year. I'll do the year devotional, and, and from there I'll, I'll reach greater heights with God. That's a good thing. Do that. But, but that's not all God has for you. And I can't, I can't come up here and preach messages to make you think that's all that God has for you. Because that's just a normal Christian. That's just being common. That's just being the standard, usual, regular. You're just going with this sort of flow that life takes you through. And I can't believe not for a moment that that's what God has called his church to be like. Amen. There's no way that God has called us to be normal. There's no way that he's called us to be average. A perfect example that I want you to turn to his book, it's Jeremiah and in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, I, I, God just put him in my heart as I was thinking about this message and this series and, and going into it. Jeremiah's story is not a normal story. It's not a normal one when you think about Jeremiah. I, I want you to grab a hold of what's happening here. Jeremiah was a prophet in Israel and in Judah during a really tough, tough and difficult time during this nation's history. The truth is, Israel had continued to be conquered by different kings, different nations, and, and, and Israel eventually was split into two different peoples. They were split in half, where you had the house of Israel and the house of Judah, where there were no longer one nation, but they had two different kings, two different governments, and so on and so forth. But now Jeremiah steps into the scene. Just catch this for a moment. And Jeremiah was to deliver good news now uh, to these houses, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. And one of the messages or the good news that he was to deliver to these houses was that the Lord was going to make a new covenant with them. He was going to make a new covenant with you guys. Eventually, God's whole purpose was he wanted to unite these two nations again. He wants to unite Judah and Israel again. He doesn't want them to be divided. He wants to be the king over all of Israel united together. And that's always been God's purpose. So, so here is Jeremiah, and he begins to prophesy and deliver a message of a new covenant that God was going to bring towards Israel. But the funny thing about Jeremiah's life was that when this was happening, Jeremiah, watch this, not normal, church, absolutely not normal. Here it is. He was about 17 years old. Weird. Because how can this 17-year-old, I'm going to say boy, okay? Boy, go speak to these men who are kings over nations. Uh, I have a message from God. Listen, boy. Ever been there? Ever spoken before someone? Just like, this is boy. And this is what Jeremiah would have had to do now, to speak to God's people. And one of the things that he was going to share with them was how they were going to fall, and they were going to fall even to the Babylonians. And he was going to share with them that their fate was not because of, uh, because of God's lack and because God didn't do his part, but instead their fate and their falling to these people was because of their unfaithfulness towards their God, especially because they continue to listen to false prophets. And Jeremiah, as a true prophet, had to tell them, stop listening to those voices. Kind of sounds like a church service almost. Like a pastor going to a church service, telling his church, what? Stop listening to those voices. It's almost, that's what he was doing. And in the process of this, we find ourselves in the calling of God over Jeremiah's life 
in chapter 1. Let, let's read it just to get a feel for what's happening here. If you could, we're going to go ahead and read chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. We're going to skip a few verses, and then we're going to go to 17 through 19. Watch this. Follow along with me. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, and said this. Look at verse 5. Before I formed you in your mother's womb. Church, what does it say? Yeah, just let that sink in. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I what? Sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And the Lord said to me, do not say that I am a youth, for you shall go to all who I will send you to. Whatever I command you, you speak it. Do not be what? Come on, say that like you mean that. Do not be. Yeah, I hope God talks to some of us today. Just reading this, just that the Lord just sits something in your spirit. Do not be afraid. Like there's some scary faces, right? And he's like, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid. Look what he says next. Well, why, God? I'm only 17 years old. How do you expect me not to be afraid? I love this. Because God never comes empty. He says this, for I'm with you. That's why you're not afraid. But those are some serious men with some serious power, with some serious authority, with some serious armies. Like, God, do you know what you're calling me to? Watch this. But do you know who I'm calling you with? I'm with you. I love that because, because I don't want to get ahead. Let's keep reading. For I'm with you and I'm going to deliver you. So the Lord put his hand and he touched my mouth. I love that because I do need the Lord just to touch my mouth because sometimes I speak things that God has never even spoken from my life. And the Lord said to me, I have put now what? My words in your mouth. I love that. It's what is that equivalent to? That is equivalent like when you're speaking nonsense and I just get my Bible and I roll it up and I say, open your mouth. And I just, what? And <laughs> like, God, I can't do it. God, I'm so young. I'll never talk to kids. He put his hand over his mouth. You've ever had a child like that? I can't do it. I'm too young. I'll never be able to. God, you'll never. And God just shuts his mouth over his mouth and goes, and sticks his word in his mouth. You know why? Because from now on, stop talking from what's from the flesh and start talking what's in my word. That's what he's telling Jeremiah. I'm tired of hearing you discuss what arouses your flesh, and I want you to start talking about what arouses your spirit. I want you to excite your spirit and not just your carnal man. I want you to exercise the spirit and not the flesh. Because yes, the spirit is willing. Yes, indeed, but the flesh is weak. Die, starve, kill, murder the flesh, and feed, and give, and nurture the spirit. Speak the things of the spirit. But I can, you will, because my word is in you, and my presence goes with you. Don't tell me you can't. That's what God said in Jeremiah. It's pretty cool. 17 years old, getting schooled by God. 17 years old, he thought he knew more than God. I can't. It's impossible. They're smarter than me. They're bigger than me. They're greater than me. They have more. They have, Lord, have you seen them? Have you seen me? And God's like, have you seen me in you? I don't even know. That's not normal. I read this, and if you just get away all the wordage, and you get away every other preaching that you've ever heard on Jeremiah chapter 1, because I'm sure you've heard thousands, 
and just, just take it for what it says in Scripture, do you see how it's not normal? Nothing about Jeremiah 1 seems normal to me, but I love it because what seems is abnormal, it is, right? What seems abnormal to me is just perfectly normal with God. And he says this, I put my words in your mouth, see? You like that, right? See? It's almost like saying, look down, look, look at it, it's in your mouth. See? And look what he says next. I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms. How old am I? 17 years old. And I'm going to put you over nations and over kingdoms. Look what he tells them. You're going to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build, plant. You're going to, you're going to what? You're going to destroy it so that you can what? Build it up again. And look what he says in 17. So prepare yourself, arise, speak to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day, I love this, I have made you a fortified, a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze walls against the whole land, against kings of Judah, princes and priests, against the people of the land. Watch this. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. And everyone say this with me. For I am what? With you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Listen, this was not an invite to a normal lifestyle. God was not moving Jeremiah to be average when you read this passage at all. To live a regular common life when you read Jeremiah chapter 1. Jesus, uh, God, sorry, was not saying, well, just speak a couple times. Does this relate to anyone? Just say things every once in a while. Live comfortable, love comfortably, and everything's just going to be lovely, and you'll have a place in heaven. That is not what Jeremiah was called for. It wasn't that kind of lifestyle. Jeremiah was not common. He wasn't a standard Christian of his time. He was called to be irregular, uncommon, unconformed lifestyle. Basically, speak often, Jeremiah. Open up your mouth often. Yes, you're only 17 years old, but tell those kings, tell those priests, tell those princes, tell all the people to who I send you to everything that I tell you. That's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And Jeremiah's like, okay, this is going to be fun. I read the book of Jeremiah, we don't have time to read it all now, so I'm going to go not towards the end, 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 but I want you to skip all the way to chapter 20 now. And Jeremiah in chapter 20 gives us an insight on how it's gone for the last 19 verse chapters. So Jeremiah, after we just read what happened to you in chapter 1, put your word in your mouth, now you're going to talk to kings and speak to prince and princes and all that. What happened to you, Jeremiah? Look at chapter 20, here it is, here's where I really want to talk to you guys about. He gives us an insight. It's almost as a complaint. Yeah, it is a complaint. And verse 7 says this. Are are we all in chapter 20, verse 7? Give me an amen. He says this. Oh, Lord, you misled me. I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. So so pretty much, I didn't want to do what you wanted me to do, but I ended up doing it anyways because you're more powerful than me. I love that. Do you guys know what Jeremiah said? I wrestled with you, you won. That's pretty much what he's saying. I fought with you, you won the battle. I argued, you won the argument. That's what he's saying. You're stronger than I am. You've overpowered me. But look what he says next. Because, Lord, can you, can you see this through the words? Lord, because I'm not normal. Because I'm not like everyone else. Look what everyone's doing to me now. Look what he says next. Now I'm mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak the words, when they burst out, when I speak violence and destruction, like you're calling me to speak, these messages from the Lord, guess what they've made me? They made me a household joke. Guys, 
Jeremiah is called by God, and while he's being called by God and functioning in the call of God, Jeremiah's ministry is not prospering. He doesn't become a mega church. Instead, people are mocking, making fun of him, and bringing him down. How's church going? It's going great. Everyone thinks I'm a joke. It's awesome. Jeremiah's life is totally not normal because in our mindset, we think what? When God calls us, whoo, there's mountaintop, there's glories. There are. But sometimes they don't show up in the physical. Before they ever show up in the physical, they first happen spiritually to you. Before they, before they first happen publicly, they first happen privately to you. So when everyone else sees death around you, what they don't recognize is that while everything looks like death, What's happening really inside of me is I'm having the greatest experience of life personally with God. That's what Jeremiah is going through. Like, you called me. It's not normal. Things are happening. I'm doing your stuff. But guess what? I'm a joke. Everyone's making fun of me. And if you had any family members or any friends like that, you woke up today. It's New Year's. It's the first service. You're going to go to church? Oh, my God. And they make fun of you. But, but, but look what he says next. Ready? Verse 9. But if I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name. So what is he saying? He's like, I'm just, I've thought about, this. he's talking to God here. He's like, God, I'm a joke. God, everyone's laughing at me. And, and I've even thought about not opening my mouth one more time. Ever wanted to stop serving God? Come here. I'm being honest. Come here because I know he's going to speak to some of you. Ever just wanted to stop? Hey, you know what? I'm going to stop doing sound up there. I'm going to stop translating. I'm going to stop worshiping. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to stop ushering. I'm just going to stop because I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of the way God. Ever been there? I have. As a pastor, I have. I'm tired of free. I'm tired of pa- I'm tired of me. And it's like. And God's like, check your heart. Check yourself. And here's Jeremiah. And he's like, he's like. I've thought about this, to never mention the Lord again. How many of you, do not raise your hand, but raise your heart. How many of you have seriously thought about never mentioning the Lord again? How about never mentioning him again in this church? How about never mention him again within your family because of the continual persecution that they bring? That one friend, I'm not going to mention Jesus because every time I mention Jesus, this is how they act. And that's what Jeremiah is going through. I'm just never going to do this again, but I love the next part. Ready? Because he wrestles with God, but God wins. Now, how many of you, while thinking that, have wrestled with God, and God has always beat you? Like, I'm such an idiot. You know, I think the stupidest thing sometimes, and he always, he always comes out proving me wrong. How many of you have been there? That one, you can raise your hand. No? All right. Woo. But his word... It burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in, but I can't what, church? I can't do it. I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten me. If you say anything else, we're going to report it. Even my old friends are watching for me. They want me to slip. They're going to say, watch this. We're going to trap him. He's going to trap himself, and then they're going to get revenge on me. (laughs) What a life, Jeremiah. Not normal. I love what he's saying in this passage. Come here, church, just follow with me. They're out to get me. They're making fun of me. I'm a joke in every room, in every corner. I'm the livestock of Israel. Listen, listen. Lord, can you hear him saying this? This is not normal. So, so I thought of just staying quiet. I thought of just saying nothing else, just, just, just living a normal, uh, standard, uh, average Christian life so that no one really around me notices. And as long as I'm living in my own little comfortable bubble, everything will be okay with my little devotionals and my little prayers and my little God bless you every once in a while. I'll tell you what. 
what? On social media, I'll even put a little graphic that says, Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible even tells me so. And, and I'll do all these little things for every once in a while. I could just show a little bit of fruit, but, but don't ask me to go anything else or live extraordinary. Like I'm just going to be a normal Christian, a normal person with a faith. And as he's describing this to God, something happens to his spirit and he's arguing with God. And then something he says, I wanted to shut up, but I could not because the word of God, remember that? The word of God, it's in my heart like a burning fire shut in my bones. I could hold, not hold it back any longer. What is Jeremiah really saying? Though I try to be normal, the spirit of God that lives in me does not allow me to be normal as much as I try. Wow, that's it. And that's what Jeremiah is saying here. See, I'm not filled up in being normal. What fills me the most is when I'm not normal because God has called me not to be normal. How many of you could apply this to your life? How many of you, God is calling you for such a life? A life that is not normal. They sang a song today, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, I asked them, can you please sing this song, because it really means a lot to the series. But if our God is for us, come on, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? Like, do you believe that? Like, like that's not normal to have that kind of attitude, but we have it. We have it. Like, we could walk out these doors and say, how are you going to conquer that giant? Are you, do you not know who empowers me? How are you going to conquer that land? If God is for us, who could ever stop, let's personalize it, me. If God is with me, then what could stand against? Because my God is greater, my God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. God is He in power, my God, my God. The month of January, I pray that you get what we're focusing on here, which is not normal, and that's our point. Instead, I'm remarkable. I'm called to be remarkable. I'm not called to be normal. The word remarkable, if you could just catch this, it means this. It means notably, conspicuously unusual. I love that. Extraordinary. Worthy of notice or attention. Let's be remarkable this year. That, that was a good part for an amen. Let's be remarkable this year. I, I, I hope you believe it for yourself. I really hope you believe it for yourself. Let's, come here. Let's be tired of being normal. Like, come on. That church does the same thing. Let's just be different. That cult does the same thing. Let's just be different. Let's just be different than everyone else. The way we act, the way we live, the way we have faith. Let's just be different. Let's, let's be tired of being normal. Let's be remarkable. Let's be tired of conforming to the standard or to the common type. Let's be tired of being usual and regular, natural. Let's be tired of being average. Let's become remarkable. For the next three weeks after today, I'm going to talk about remarkable. And this is what I'm going to do. Ready? Remarkable. Ready? I'm going to grab the word remarkable. I'm going to snap it into three different <coughs> shots. Here it is. Number one, I'm going to talk about remark. That's next week. The next week after that, I'm going to talk about the word mark. And the week after that, I'm going to talk about the word able. 
And I want us to focus how God has called us to be remarkable with those three words, remark, mark, and able. And I'm believing that for this church. I'm believing that for your life. I'm actually believing it for my life. I don't think any of us in here should just want to be normal and live a normal life. Normal marriage, normal family, normal career, normal church, normal walk of faith. Everything about us should be not normal from this day forward. And that's what I'm praying for for this year. Not just another normal year for our lives, but a remarkable year for our lives. How many of you could say amen? I, I, if you know anything about me, you know I like C.S. Lewis. Look what C.S. Lewis, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him for a second. He says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Thank you. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex, ambition, with, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pie in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Wow. We are far too easily pleased. Not anymore. Not anymore. Listen, listen. I don't want what just my little comfortable life and living a little comfortable Christianity offers me. Watch this. I want what heaven's doors offer me. I want the heaven's the windows of heavens to open up and pour into my life. I want to experience the what? The holiday at the sea. Not the little pies that life gives me. How many of us could say that's us? 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 How many of us can say that's us? I'll say it ten times. Amen, it's me. It's us. I'm going to wrap it soon, not yet. The book of Acts, amazing passage, but we see a man, some call him Stephen because we're American and all that. We'll call him Steph for today, Stephen. And Steph in the Bible was an interesting character. In the book of Acts chapter 6, we come across of what happens. Just, just follow along with me in Acts chapter 6. There's a problem with the church as it's starting and they need some men of good reputation to stand up, men to be leaders in the church. Just follow with me. Watch what happens to our buddy Stephen in his life. Ready? In chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Watch, watch this. Good reputation. I want you just to uh, uh, check this off. Tell me if, how you do with these words. Tell me how you do with this resume here. Seek out men of good reputation. Not only do, are they to have good reputation, but watch this. Because what good is a good reputation without being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom, who we could appoint over this business of the church. Verse 5, we're going to skip forward for a moment. And the same pleased the whole multitude, the church. So they began to chose. They chose Stephen, the dude we're going to talk about, our buddy today. Stephen, look at what it does now. Comma, he was a man of faith and the Holy Spirit. But watch this next, ready? And then they accepted Philip and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas and all that stuff, right? Watch this, watch this. There was one that they made sure that they described a little bit different than the other. And it was Stephen. Oh, Steve, he was a man full of faith. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then he picked also Philip and all these other guys. But, but I want to make sure you guys know about Steph. That's what... Luke is telling us in the book of Acts. Verse 8 says this. 
Stephen, full of faith and full of power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Can everyone say not normal? Let's, can, we, can we substitute words there? Ready? Watch this. And Stephen, full of faith and power, acted very not normal among the people. Yeah. Like, no one's just walking around doing signs and wonders. Like, are you? Like, did you walk into Publix yesterday? Watch this. Get up, rise, my child. Like, like, like Steph is walking around, and, and signs and wonders are, are, are following him. It's amazing. And then there arose from what is called in the synagogue, those disputing with Stephen. Verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. He was different than them. Did you guys catch that? People from the church began to come against him. Have you ever seen that in a church? You see someone rise up in power. You see someone rise up with authority. You see someone rise up because the spirit of God is in them. God is using them. And then people, even their closest friends, start getting jealous and start bashing them and start pointing at them and start hitting on them. And you're like, what are you doing? Get along them and fight with them. Don't bring them down. That's what's happening with Steph. He's growing and the people from the synagogue are bringing him down. You're not supposed to be doing that, walking in power and authority and might. You, 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 we're supposed to be better than you. And, and Steph doesn't hold back. He's just different than everyone. He, he's not normal. He's not like all the other Christians around him. He's a little bit different than the other Christians. Why is he different? They secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Do you hear that? They secretly began to speak lies behind his back. Man, I've seen this so many times. I've seen people catch problems with other people and then behind their back tell people about that things about that person that they shouldn't even know or that wasn't even true so that that way that person could not think different about that person and now they never become the friends that they used to be and, and it's a mess now and what it is is it's called the spirit of division and, and that's what's happening there. It's amazing. What's, oh, you guys thought it was just things that happened today? It was happening in Acts and people began to speak bad about our buddy Steph here for a moment because he was just a little bit what? He was different. He was not normal like them. And they got mad because you've got to be like us. He's like, I'm not like you. I'm not normal. <laughs> I like that. Everyone say, I'm not normal. It just feels good. If you're here with like a spouse or something, finally look at them in the eyes and say, I'm not normal. Yeah. If you're sitting next to a parent, you could sell them too. I told you I'm not normal. Let's keep reading for a moment. So they stirred up the people. They stirred up the elders. Listen to this. They stirred up the scribes, and they all came upon Steph, and they seized him. They arrested him, right? And they brought him to the council, and they set up, watch this, they set up, you know what that means? They planned people to lie. They set up false witnesses, and the false witnesses said, this man does not cease, does not stop to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. He was not going to change it. He was going to fulfill it. They messed up. And all who sat in the council looked steadfast at Stephen. You know what steadfast means? They looked like this at him. You ever have someone that walked into your house? going on man calm down and and there's this a war going on in your brain that's what happened there's a whole war going on in the people's brain and steph is there by himself like what did i do to you guys like we just don't like you like, why i'm healing people i'm preaching jesus and there's like it's weird this bible it's an amazing book it's just not normal i love it I'm in love with a not normal book. So he goes on, and as they question Stephen, here's what I'm going to wrap Stephen's life with. Watch this. 
He says, you want me to talk? <laughs> you want to know what I'm doing that you say is wrong? Watch what he does. I'm not going to read it all. We don't have time. But he, get, he begins to talk about Abraham and Joseph and Moses. Watch what he begins to tell them. He says, Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. I'm going to summarize. These were all great prophets and all great people of the faith that we all honor and that we all uh, just pay respect to. But, but what you don't understand is that all of these people, Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, they're all pointing to one that is the Messiah whom we crucified and his name is Jesus. And now you reject him and you rejecting him is you doing the abominable sin, the sin that can never be forgiven. You rejecting Jesus is you blaspheming the Holy Spirit and he's telling them all that. And as he's telling them all that, they're getting, they're getting more upset. Because how dare you tell me that that Jew fake Messiah that we crucified is the Messiah? How dare you? And he's telling them all this. So you know what he does next? Now Stephen is getting kind of mad. But it's like a righteous anger. You know the Bible says you could be angry, but don't let it cause it to what? Don't let it cause you to sin, right? Be angry, do not sin. So he gets angry. I'll prove it to you that he gets angry. Look at verse 51, chapter 7. Someone, just out loud, read me the, the first three words. You stubborn people, another translation. Anyone else? You stiff-necked, hey, listen, don't call me stiff-necked, all right? That's weird. We're going to fight. Like if you are later stiff-necked, I'm going to look at you and say, let's go. Like that's weird, like, like, <laughs> that deserves a water break. How many of you are excited for 2015? Give God some praise. You could do that. This church allows you to clap. Okay. Watch this. This church allows you to say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preach it. Preach. You go. Come on, Jesus. You can say all those things, right? Just reminding you, it's a new year. Chapter 7, verse 51, Steph gets a little upset and he says this. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Like, that's weird. Who cares if they're not circumcised? It means a lot to a Jew. Okay, it means a lot. What he means is, is you think you're in covenant with God when in reality you don't even know God. That's what he means by uncircumcised. Okay, that's what, that's what he's talking about. So you sifnek. What's another word? You stupid and ignorant people. That's what he would be saying today if he lived in Hialeah. Es- nah, let's not even go there. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Anyone here resist the Holy Spirit? Don't raise your hand. You always resist the Holy Spirit like your fathers did, and now you do it too. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. Told you they were talking, he was talking about Jesus. Of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers of, I could add there, 53. Who've received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Everyone, cut to the heart, cut to the heart, cut to the heart. You want to know another word for cut to the heart? They were convicted. Do you know when the true gospel is preached, people's hearts feel convicted? And and watch this, watch this. Determining the, watch, watch, watch. Determining how your heart is will determine how you take that word. When the true gospel is preached and you get convicted, watch this. You will either take it and grow from it or you will rise up against it, reject it, and get angry. That's the reality of it. Watch this. I've been to churches with people that when I've been there, I was like, that was an amazing message. It blessed my life. And I asked them, how did you like it? That was horrible. And all they did was talk bad about the message or about the preacher, about the whole church. What do you think happened there? There was a mess up in the heart. Because how did one person get a whole thing and the other person got a whole different thing? It does not make any sense. So here is Steph 
And as he begins to say this, they're cut to the heart. And watch this. I love this because you guys laughed at me a little while ago when I said they looked at him like this. But when you thought that the look was funny, now they do something even funnier. Not only did they look at him, but they began to gnash their teeth at him. Who, who gnashes teeth at people nowadays? You know what gnashing teeth? They're so mad they can't control. My, my wife always says, clench your jaw a little bit harder, huh? Like I can't see it because, see this? I have that deformity right here. So if I'm driving and I'm upset, I do this. And she's like, I see your bone popping out of your cheek. I'm like, I was massaging my jaw. Right? And, and she always reminds me that I have a bone that sticks out. Gnashing my teeth. They're, they're scratching their teeth because they're upset. They're mad at one another. And, not at one another, at Steph. And they're cut to the heart. And, and look what... 55, it's true, I'm not even making that up. I'm not normal, and I'm glad. You could call me not normal, just don't call me stiff-necked. Here we go. Verse, verse 55, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven. He looked, I love this, I love this, I love this. Because they're about to, they're about to kill him. They're gnashing their teeth. Listen, when someone looks at you and is staring at you like this, and they're gnashing their teeth, ready? Two things, run or get ready to fight because it's going to go down. When someone is staring at you and gnashing their teeth, they're going to fight you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to kill you. You better find a way out or find a way to beat that person up because it's going to go down. And you know what, you know what Steph does? And he is in the biggest trial at that moment where he is in danger, when he feels like he's in a valley, he goes ahead because the word of God is filled in his spirit. And what does he do? He looks up to where his help comes from. The Bible says that he gazes up to the heavens. How many of you, when you are in trial, when you are in difficulty, when people are gnashing their teeth, clenching their jaws, and they're staring at you with a weird eye, how many of you gaze up to the heavens where your help comes from? Come on. That's what Steph does. He says, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to look up to the one who could destroy you. And his name is Jesus. He looks up to the heavens. Guys, who gets ready to fight? And right when they're about to fight, does... Do you want to know who? People who are not normal do that. Come on. That's what I want our stance to be like. Come on, hey, because hey, we're a not normal church and we're weird like that. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. We're going to fight. I want everyone to practice the jaw move. Practice the stare down. Mike, I know you got it in you, brother. And this is going to be our pose for 2015. Ready? Come on. Come on. This is our pose. Ready? Come on, come on, come on. Here it is, here it is. You're going to take a picture, huh? What is this? We're in a, we're in a message. No, man, come on. <laughs> this is not normal. And um, this is our stance for 2015. Ready? Come on, just soak that in. I promise you. I, pro shh. I promise you, if you keep that your stand, you're going to be undefeated in the ring. No one will ever beat you. You're not normal. You're not normal. You're not normal. One of my, I love, me and Lou were talking about this weekend. I love um, Back to the Future and I love all, this, and all those old movies. The 80s are the best. How many of you could say amen? Yeah. 80s are good. 
But how many of you loved when Danielson got on the mat and did this? Come on. It did something to you. At least me, I was a kid, and I got butterflies. And every time when I wanted to fight my sister, I got up on the bed and I went, every, every time, every time. I was like, come on, no. I got this, I'll knock you out. <laughs> Who else did it? You know you did it. <laughs> Thank you, brother. But that's it, man. From now on, we're looking up, man. Imagine Daniel's son being a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. He was meditating, all that weird stuff. But he was doing the wax on and wax off. He should have waxed on the Bible and all that stuff. But Miyagi's son taught him the laws of meditation instead of the laws of Christ. But whatever. Imagine him in the middle of the mat, just looking up at that blonde guy that we all wanted him to beat up so bad. Forgot his name. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed up into heaven. He saw the glory of God. Guys, 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 if you continue to look up to heaven, hey, you're going to see the glory of God appear. You know why? Because people who are not normal, check this out, are not called to look at things the way this world does. People who are not normal look at things the way God sees it. Guys, we live by faith and not by, come on, come on. If you start looking at things differently the way he sees it, you're going to start seeing the glory of God appear in your life. I love the end of the story because you actually think he loses, right? When he finishes the story, what he, what he doesn't know is that I finished reading this story and he ends up dying. You guys have no idea. He gazes up to heaven. He sees the glory of God and Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look. I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Guys, he's about to fight. He's about to die. And his stance is, they're going to stone you, man. Have you seen the movie yet? They're going to stone you. And as they have the rocks in their hand, he says, guys, look up. Look at Jesus. He's standing next to God. In his glory, look at the heavens. Jesus is standing there. Can you imagine what those people were saying to themselves? And then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. Wow, wow, that's a whole preaching right there. That's a whole preaching. They stopped their ears. You know how many times this church has been for seven years, and I've been doing this for, it's going to be 14 years. How many times we've counseled in the Word of God and people are ready to fight and we counsel in the Word of God and instead of receiving it, they stop their ears and because they stopped their ears, it led them to do some of the stupidest and worst, making the worst decisions they could have ever made. You should have never stopped your ears. You should have listened to the people that got put in your life to speak the Word of God in your life, but instead you stopped your ears. So they stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. You know what that means? They were all in it together. They were united for the wrong cause. I've seen people get united, but for the wrong cause. For the wrong cause. So they casted him out to the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man and saw him. And they stoned Steph. I love this. Because you all thought, oh, he lost. Why are you telling us to fight like that if he lost? He didn't lose. Because watch what it says next. They stoned Steph as he was what? Calling on God. Some of the greatest moments of my life has been seeing people pass 
while calling out on God. You think they lost. In reality, they just won. Come on, somebody, give God some glory. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you that he won. He looks up to the heavens, and he says, Lord, guys, he's going to get stoned. He says, receive my spirit. He kneels down. He cries out with a loud voice. And look what he says next. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Forgive them for what they're going to do to me. Does that sound like anyone? Because the same spirit that lives in Christ lives in you. And the same spirit that lived in Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ was on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do is now in Stephen when he says, Lord, forgive them for what they are about to do. Same spirit. Like, that's not normal. It is to us. When he said this, he fell asleep. I love that. I'm reading off the New King James here. I love how the New King James says he fell asleep. Because for all of you guys that thought he died, he didn't. He fell asleep. But guess what? God woke him up in eternity, and he's now with Jesus Christ. That's it. He fell asleep. He does not use the word dies. He fell asleep. When I read this story, how does it sound to you? I hope that this story does not sound just normal to you. I hope it sounds remarkable. And I want my life to be like Steph's life. I want our lives to be, watch this, what I'm about to tell you guys, to be notably, conspicuously, unusual, extraordinary, worthy of notice and attention. I want our lives to be remarkable for the rest of our lives. That's what God wants for us. How many of you could say amen? Amen. I'm going to ask whoever wants to come up. Let's sing our God is greater for, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to give you five minutes or ten minutes, just God minutes. And as we sing our God is great, I want to end with a passage. And once you open up to that passage, can you stand with me? It's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Amen? Anyone need some time? It says this. I have the New King James, but I'm going to read it. I want you to catch some words how the NLT says it, but the main points are similar. Watch this. Peter says this. In verse 1 of chapter 2, 1 Peter says, Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Be like newborn babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for the nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. I love Peter. He's like, hey, um, Jesus was chosen to be not normal. Deal with this, so are you. Verse 5. Are you? Verse 5. He says, and you are living stones that God is building. You're not normal. Into a spiritual temple. What's more? You're his holy priest. 
through the meditation of Jesus Christ you you offer up spiritual sacrifices that please God and the scriptures say this when he says I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him the cornerstone Jesus will never be disgraced remember what he told Jeremiah don't fear I'm not going to disgrace you I'm going to be with you I'm going to fight with you you're not going to be normal verse 7 yes you you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him but for those who reject him the stone that the builders rejected has now become the, the cornerstone and he is the stone that makes people stumble the rock that makes them fall they stumble because they do not obey God's word and so they meet the faith that was planned for them you know what that's saying People that are normal, they get this kind of treatment. But you're not called to be this kind of people. You're not normal. Look at verse 9. I'll prove it to you. You're not normal because verse 9 says, you are not like that. For you're a chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. You're a royal priest. Say, I'm royal. You're a holy nation. Say, I'm holy. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others a goodness, the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful, into his marvelous light. I end with this verse. Verse 10. Once. Everyone say once. 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 I got fooled once. There's an even famous saying, right? Fool me once. Shame on. Fool me twice. Look what he says. Once. You had no identity as a people. I I did. But now, you're, you're not that. But now you are God's people. Once. You received. You had no mercy. But now, you have received the mercies of God. You have received God's mercy. What is Peter saying in this passage? What he's saying is, church, you're called to be remarkable. Be remarkable. That's what he's telling them. Be remarkable. Don't be normal. Don't settle for normal when you can live in remarkable. Don't settle for normal when you can live in remarkable. With that person next to you, you can live remarkable. With this church and these four walls, you can live remarkable. With these people up here that are crazy, you can live remarkable be normal let's not be comfortable in normal but let's bask in being remarkable for the rest of our lives in all that you do in all that you are in for the rest of you I really hope that the rest of this month blows you out of the water and causes you to never be the this is only week one how many of you want part two three and four already we'll just stay here for another one But this is just the first week and God is already speaking to us. I'm excited for next week already. You should call someone, you should text someone and say, I feel so bad that you missed on Sunday. 
That's normal. That's not normal to do. Rub it in them. But get excited for God. Open up your heart. And say, Lord, from this day forward, I want to live in the remarkable. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. When the song ends, Betsy's going to close us off in prayer. And as she closes us off in prayer, she's going to end with saying, you are loved, because that's a trademark here. It's not normal. And then we're all going to love each other, hug each other, and we're going to have an amazing Sunday. But let's worship the Lord one more time. God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer.